You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class. With me, your host, Katie Charlewood, history harlot and reader of books. Before I get into any part of this episode, we have to start off with a disclosure. I, as a general rule, tend to teach history in the same manner in which I speak in my daily life, which means I use colloquial terms, I use layman's language, and you know, um, I often swear like a sailor. So if you aren't keen on, you know, curse words, swearing and the like, this is not the fucking podcast for you. And I'm going to suggest that you go listen to something else, like by the History Channel. Because because unlike me, they won't say shit, fuck or bollocks. And now back to your regular broadcast. So yeah, um, it has been an amazing couple of weeks and I am actually so excited to really get into this month's series of videos because we just finished on the five canonical victims of Jack the Ripper and which was incredibly grueling and labour-intensive and kind of depressing, which you'll find a lot of history is just incredibly depressing. So I do try and find the little fun pieces here and there. But yes, The Five Canonical Victims of Jack the Ripper is a story that I think very much needs to be told. But it does, it does take a toll to the point where I had like edited about half of it and I just needed a break and couldn't do it for a while. And now we're moving on to... You know, uh, hopefully I can get some really hopeful pieces of history because it is Pride Month and I really want to share stories of like amazing people and just their lives. Because that's what matters. That's what history is. It's about people, not just about battles and fucking planes. What is it? What is it with modern men and their obsession with tanks? I, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I really don't care about tanks. Will I go look at tanks if I'm in a museum? Yes. Do I necessarily give a fuck about it? No. No, I really don't. But I'll go look at it because history is interesting. Because a person drove that tank. A person was in it. The actual tank itself? Eh, not really that bothered. Oh, and in personal news, I made some amazing friends in Gaia, as you know, and 
one of them is actually coming to visit me. One of the fawns. It's, I'm so excited. We're going to have like the best time. I've been working on sample chapters to send off to the publishing agent. So that's been exciting. And I've had a lot of weird people trying to like hire me. I, I don't know how to put it. It's like they keep saying collab with us. And it's like, no, you want me to use your service and not get paid? No pay me for my work or I'm not going to do it. Like, I don't see why that's a controversial issue. Like, anyway, I'm not going to get into it too much. Um, but yeah, I've had a lot of angry, angry men in my comments recently. Um, whenever I call men out for doing crappy things. And uh, I was talking about this the other day and my little boy goes to me, Mommy, don't say that because I'm a boy. And I'm like, but are you doing mean things to make other people around you feel bad? Are you doing like naughty stuff? Are you saying mean things to people? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, then you don't have to worry because you're kind and considerate and empathetic. I get messages from my kid's school to tell me of the many kind things my child has done. Like, because he has gone out of his way to ensure that somebody was okay and that somebody wasn't hurt and all this stuff. So yeah, I raised really empathetic children. They're just not empathetic to me. <laughs> Which some of you will know if you paired Baby on her uh, as my co-host. My co-host, my co ooh. But uh, Bubba, he'll probably be coming in at some point as well. But anyway, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, quit your jibber-jabber and fact me. And fact you, I will. But first, we've got to get our source on. Our sources are... The Strange Story of Dr. James Barry by Isabel Ray. The Barry Room, The Tale of a Pioneering Military Surgeon by Robert Leach. The Reputed Female Army Surgeon, Letter from Deputy Inspector Bradford by Edward Bradford. That's in the Medical Times and Gazette. The Secret Life of Dr. James Barry, Victorian England's Most Eminent Surgeon by Rachel Holmes. Dr. James Barry, The Early Years Revealed, by Michael Hercules Dupreez, in the South African Medical Journal. The Male Military Surgeon Who Wasn't, by Stephanie Payne. The Reputed Female Army Surgeon, Letter from DJC Cookworthy, in the Medical Times and Gazette, again. Dr. James Barry, A Woman Ahead of Her Time, by Jeremy Dronfield and Michael Dupreez. Neo-Victorian Biographilia and James Miranda Barry, A Study in Transgender and Transgenre, by Anne Heilman. And of course we have our favourites, History.com and Biography.com. Now, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then let's begin. This episode is actually dedicated to Audra, who has been a long-time follower and, you know, just deserves, just deserves a little shout-out. This episode's for you. And today I'm going to tell you the tale of Dr. James Barry. Now, this is a little bit contentious because it can be taken three ways. And without James Barry themselves, there is no accurate way for us to have an answer or, you know, a definitive conclusion. All we can do is guess, especially considering it's a completely different, you know, cultural and social context, you know. So... I am going to change pronouns as well during this. You should all be prepared for that. So there were three arguments to whom 
Dr. James Barry was, like their gender identity specifically. And there were three arguments for that. And it's going to be up to you to make your own mind in the end. I have my own opinion. Um, I'm kind of teetering between two more than the other, but that's just me. And we'll discuss it at the end. I say discuss it. I'm going to say things to you and you can agree or disagree. You can shout at your phone or your laptop or however you're listening to this. I don't know, through your Alexa or something. Hims to say. But yes, we're going to start at the beginning where Dr. James Barry, obviously wasn't born a doctor, didn't like shoot out of the birth canal and was like, stamp, here's your doctorate. I understand that medical expertise during the Victorian era, you know, weren't super, but you know, they weren't exactly handing them out once the cord was cut. So James Barry was born Margaret Ann Bulkley in 1789. Now, there is some contention about the birth date. Why are we surprised? Exact. this one isn't actually, you know, general patriarchal bullshit this time. No, this was actually because of Barry, because they were like fudging the numbers at one point, which we'll get into. So Margaret Ann Bulkley was born in 1789 in Cork, Ireland, to Jeremiah and Mary Ann Bulkley. So Jeremiah, he ran the Weighouse um, in Merchant's Quay in Cork. But so Irish was under British rule at this point. And as such, if you know anything about the history, uh, there was a massive, massive uh, anti-Catholic sentiment. So like sectarianism, absolutely rife, right? So he ends up losing his job, goes into debt, and then ends up in debtor's prison leaving the rest of the family kind of down on their luck. And Margaret's older brother, John, he's not really in the picture. He isn't helping out in any way. He does go on to get married. So he's probably dealing with that. But like, he's not involved in this in any way. So at some point, Juliana is born. That is Margaret's younger sister. Margaret and John's younger sister, actually. She's born. And there's all this speculation that it's, you know... Margaret's secret baby and it's it's not it's Marianne's all evidence points to Marianne having an affair having a baby and then the husband kicking them out so Jeremiah's like get out can't be dealing with us no so after a while he's like actually I forgive you you can come back in and so they return so then Jeremiah dies right pops his clogs well no actually that's that's incorrect Possibly. Maybe. Kinda a wee bit. So, we're not entirely sure what happened to Jeremiah Buckley. I mean, we know he died one way or the other. I mean, I doubt he's still, you know, roaming the plains. But he uh, either died in Ireland or he ended up being sent away on a convict ship, possibly because of debt and other such scenarios. But there isn't enough information to really give it one way or the other. And Margaret and Marianne, they leave Ireland and they head to London because they're trying to get in with Marianne's brother, James Barry, who is this, you know, influential artist. You know, he's doing well for himself. So they're petitioning him for help and he's like, nah, he doesn't do it. He doesn't help them. And so they're struggling for two more years 
until James Barry pops his clogs. So then he's off. And he leaves his sister an inheritance because he doesn't have any known or legitimate heirs. So yeah, everything goes to Marianne. And this sets her up a little bit. And so this gets put into Margaret's education and things like that. And they try to get Margaret a job as a tutor. Unfortunately, that doesn't quite work out. And, you know, there's no work for Margaret. And they're trying to figure out what the fuck to do. But then a plan emerges between three of Barry's, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, uh, with Uncle Barry's three friends. It's, it's, really, it's really a weird lineup. So we have General Francisco de Miranda, who is a Venezuelan militiaman, really. He's trying to create a revolution in Venezuela. Uh, so you've got him. You have Dr. Edward Fryer, who is a personal tutor to Margaret currently. And then Daniel Reardon, who is the family solicitor. So they start, you know, getting into cahoots. There was cahooting happening. And they concoct a plan. Of, and their whole plan is to get Margaret into medical school. One slight snag with this is that at the time, it was illegal for women to become doctors. And so, shenanigans. They had to make Barry, or, well, Margaret at the time, a man. They had to change, you know, their appearance and it had to be convincing and it had to last so many years just to get through medical school. That was the plan. And so they thought, they'll apply to the University of Edinburgh because one, pretty advanced, and two, nobody really knew them up there. And before you could say boo, Margaret Ann Bulkley was now James Barry, the nephew of Mary Ann Bulkley. And from now on, I will be referring to them as James Barry. He, him, all the way. So the plan was to get James educated, to have them trained up to be a doctor, and they would then travel to Venezuela, where, you know, hopefully this revolution would have happened and Francisco would have been in charge. Um, so if Francisco de Miranda was in charge, they were happy to have, you know, a doctor. They weren't fussed on gender. Not even a wee bit. They're like, you're fine. As long as you know what you're doing, come on board. So that was the plan. That was the track they were on. ABC, full plan. And in 1809, Marianne Bulkley and her nephew, wink, wink, James Barry, board the Leithsmack and head up to Scotland in of dramatic bagpipe music. So James, he gets to Edinburgh, he's ready to go to medical school and then they kick him out because they're looking at this wee fella because he wasn't very tall. He had red curly hair, fine features and such, such smooth, supple skin that they were suspicious and they were looking at this fella like, hang on a second, that's not a man. That's not a man at all. That is a boy! Clearly a prepubescent boy. They accused him of lying of his age. So it was this whole thing. <laughs> and he gets kicked out. And Barry, he's there wiping the sweat from his brow like, yep, that's exactly the case. Look at me, such a youngin. Luckily for Barry, they had friends in high places like the Earl of Buchan, who pulled a few strings, 
called in some favours, and what do you know? Edinburgh decided that Barry was allowed to stay. Yay! Now, Barry being slight and, you know, not very tall and having very fine features and, you know, a higher pitched voice than the average bear, it, it, it wasn't great for them. It also led to Barry having quite a bit of a temper, right? So, massive temper, bit of an issue. And whenever anyone mentioned their voice being like higher than it should be, and they were like mocking him for it. Uh, on more than one occasion, he challenged someone to a duel, which is, of course he did. Even though, even though you're not supposed to be dueling at this point, fairly certain it's illegal, but yeah. So they spend the next couple years and he graduates Edinburgh and then he heads down to London where he trains as a surgeon. So Barry is now Dr. James Barry and they are ready to head out to Venezuela and meet their old pal, General Miranda. So yeah, Miranda's plan was to have like a free Venezuelan Republic where like men and women were all treated equally. And um, yeah, unfortunately that didn't quite pan out. See, uh, turns out revolutions are hard. And because General Miranda had some quite revolutionary ideas, excuse the pun, don't excuse the pun, I fucking love puns. Uh, yeah, so the other revolutionaries turned on him and then handed him over to the Spanish, the very people they were revolting against, you know? So he ends up chucked into prison and is left there to rot. But yeah. So now that that path was completely crossed off the list, uh, Barry had to think of an alternative solution. So he did the next most logical thing, enlist in the army as an assistant surgeon. So Barry actually starts off as a hospital assistant like to the British army in Chelsea, and then he moves to the Royal Military Hospital in Plymouth, where he then, very quickly I might add, gets, you know, a promotion to the, you know, assistant surgeon, right? Which is effectively like a lieutenant, so he's got that. And so that's by 1815. So in two years, he's managed to move up. Pretty sharpish. It's after this that nepotism be nepotisming and Lord Buchan, you know, who ensured that he didn't get kicked out of Edinburgh, he introduces him to General Somerset from Cape Town. So in 1816... James Barry gets sent down to Cape Town, which in a crazy random happenstance works out really fucking beautifully for Barry. You see, the Lieutenant General Lord Charles Somerset, his daughter is ill. So Barry arrives, this girl is sick. And so Barry treats her and cures her, you know. And Charles... Somerset is so, he's so just relieved and astounded and grateful for this that Barry gets appointed as his personal physician, which is a very, very, you know, high esteemed position, especially considering Barry's low military rank. So Barry is there and he is making waves. He's been there, what, six years? He's appointed to the colonial medical inspector and he is doing all this stuff. Uh, so there's all of these massive changes and it all kind of leads to preventative medicine. It's like preventative care. It's 
helping people before they get sick. So, so he creates better conditions for enslaved people, prisoners, the mentally ill. He has this whole thing about military medicine and how everything is unhygienic and how there needs to be better reform and everything like that. He's great into sanitation, hygiene, and also kind of creates the concept of a leper colony. It's supposed to be sanctuary, but Think about leprosy though is it's also really weird because it's so slow. Like leprosy is a very slow disease. So someone could be infected and have leprosy and show absolutely no symptoms for 20, 30, 40 years even because it is such a slow mutation. Why do I know so much about leprosy? Listen, we all have our hobbies, okay? We all do. Uh, mine is Poisons and peculiar diseases. <laughs> Poisons and diseases. I, I, I worry about myself sometimes. But it's fine. So what James Barry is known for, especially, is that they were the first white doctor to perform a caesarean, a C-section, where both the mother and infant survived. Because up until this point where this happens, the mother, the person giving birth, they would have an 85% chance of death. Right? Either way, both of them were not surviving. And clearly, James Barry had been paying attention to the African surgeons around him because this had been going on for such a long time. There was um, botanical um, tinctures and creations that were used to even sedate the mother and promote healing on, you know, the wounds, the actual scar. And this had been happening with for such a long time and they did it with such precision and they had such care that clearly, you know, they had progressed and they had been doing this a long time. But, you know, white people just didn't want to accept that... Uh, that people who were not them were actually far more advanced than they were in certain techniques and skills. I mean, the pyramids, guys, the pyramids, they're not, they're not made by aliens. They're just made by very, very skilled workers. Just, I'm just saying. There was this whole thing, oh, it must be a conspiracy. It must be aliens. It must be this. No, people were just very good at doing things that you cannot fathom. Your brain cannot comprehend how to do this task. Like, that's not your fault. I mean, it might be a wee bit, but it's not. Just, they were better at things. Get over it. So, over the years, this relationship with Somerset, because they're so close and because there's a... I mean, I here's the thing. I could say government corruption, but there probably is government corruption because it's colonialism. There's government corruption. And, you know, James Barry got jobs and got the position because they had friends in high places. Someone of a lower rank wouldn't have that option. I'm just putting it out there. So one day, this anonymous poster gets put up and it basically says that Somerset and Barry were performing sodomy. So the poster gets teared down pretty quick, but it is a whole thing. And the whole point of it was to point out government corruption, 
But nobody was listening to, they're doing this and they're doing that and they're hiring their friends and they're taking this money and they're spending it all doing this. No, no, they had to add sodomy into it. Well, they actually used the term buggery, but uh, yeah. It was the only way to have them investigated. So they were investigated and they were found to, you know, not be gay lovers. Whatever. Uh, But yeah, big deal. Anyway. There's a few other things that happen. There's also another scandal with a soldier's estranged wife, which leads to Somerset having to leave his post. So all of these sort of scandals come out one after the other and the spending comes into it. People are getting a bit iffy about it. And so Somerset does eventually have to leave. But himself, Barry, he is he's in the army. He can't just squidoddle. Squidoddle? Skidaddle. Skidaddle. Squidoddle. What is wrong with me? Many things, but that's not the point. So anyway, Barry is there and Barry actually introduces the smallpox vaccine. I forgot this. He introduces the smallpox vaccine way before Europe does. Like it's, it's wild. Even though I think it was originally from cowpox. I think it was a woman who discovered it, if I'm not mistaken. And then um, nobody listened to her. But anyway, it's fine. It's not fine. It's annoying, but it is what it is. So Barry is there doing his thing and actually known for being like kind of angry and grumpy and everything else that goes with it because I, I don't know how many pleasant surgeons there are out there. I feel like they're like chefs. Like they're generally not the most pleasant people to be around. But anyway, Barry is also known as this massive flirt. So flirts with so many women to the point it's deemed inappropriate and he ends up being challenged to a duel by this dude. And there's a discrepancy as what happens. Some of it says that he shot the hat off his opponent and the other part says that, you know, they got a flesh wound, he went away, treated himself and then came back that nothing happened. And then the two fellas became fast friends. Good for them. All it takes is, you know, pistols at dawn to really steal a friendship. So not too long after the scandal, Barry actually gets promoted to Surgeon of the Forces. And he gets posted to Mauritius in about 1828. So there he is in Mauritius, 1828. He's doing his thing. And he goes AWOL from the British Army. He just goes, fuck this for a game of soldiers to the soldiers, and off he pops. He heads off to England because Charles Somerset is incredibly ill. And so he goes there and he stays until 1831. So, this is like two years he actually spends, it was 29 he left, so it was two years. He just pisses off from the army. And when he comes back, when he joins again, um, he's like, I left because I needed a haircut and there aren't any good hairdressers here. Basically, that was the whole jig. But like when he's questioned, they're like, your audacity is as long as your hair. So like clearly there was no haircut going on. They're like, what are you at, you absolute piss pot? So anyway, he ends up uh, being posted to Jamaica and then to the island of St. Helena and 
while he's there, he basically shows up and he's like, what the actual fuck is this nonsense? And his temper gets him in so much trouble, so much trouble, that he is arrested and court-martialed with conduct unbecoming of the character of an officer and a gentleman. Like, he ends up getting, like, a not guilty plea and is, like, honourably acquitted because I think they're just very aware of how good a surgeon, um, like, Barry is. And, like, the whole reason he was court-martialed in the first place was because he had bypassed the top officers to petition the Home Office for more and or better medical supplies. So after this, Barry's sent to the West Indies and he's, you know, focusing more on medicine, preventative care, and he's very much about promoting health care for soldiers. Because he's like, hey, uh, things need to be more sanitary. We need, like, the hygiene here is absolutely shocking. Things need to be better. And so he's pushing all this stuff. He's trying to get staff to be better. He's trying to ensure that, you know, soldiers aren't, you know, putting somebody with an infectious disease on one side and then next to a healthy person with just like a wound on the other. It's like a whole thing. So he is consistently implementing these like rules and reforms. Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. But that is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, and was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MK Ultra? Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. I'm Helena Bonham Carter, and for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes, a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk-takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. So he ends up getting promoted again to the principal medical officer. But then in um, 1845, he gets yellow fever, because of course he does. Of course. And he has to go to England... And then finally he gets the all clear and he heads to Malta. Where he gets in trouble because of all the things to do, he sits in like a priest's pew. That's the priest's seat. You don't get to sit there, James. I don't know who told you you could, but no. And then of course he has to deal with a cholera epidemic because nothing can ever be easy, ever. I mean, this is a time where diseases were like everywhere. But then in 1851, he gets sent to Corfu. So Barry is there and he is doing what he does best. He is instituting public sanitation. He's providing better health care for soldiers. He is, you know, uh, helping medicate and reduce sexually transmitted diseases in soldiers, which was a consistent issue. Like one of the things Barry tried to do was ban 
alcohol, which I think is so funny because Barry was teetotal. It's probably better to keep command of your functions if you're not sloshed, probably. So they, they tried to ban like booze in the army, which um, they didn't like that, even though like the majority, like 80, I think it's 80 or 90% of, of accidental deaths happened at that time, like as a result of being intoxicated. But anyway, I may have already said this, but anyway, he is, you know, providing better care for soldiers. He treats everybody equally. And the funniest thing about Barry is because like short temper, like really grumpy, just <laughs> unhappy with everything, shows up in Corfu and is like, what absolute fucking nonsense is this? What you doing? And he's just pushing stuff in. And it gets to the point where he actually prevents a typhus epidemic. Like, the dude is on the ball. So while he's, you know, getting things going and is really, really taking care of things, um, and is really in the best strategic position because in Corfu, um, just like Malta, it's basically a crossroads for all of these military operations. So like one war is happening here, another battle's happening there. Um, because of how incredibly grandiose the British Empire was, and that is not a compliment, because of how large it was, you know, it was a very good point in which to send, you know, the infirm or the ill. But I mean, if you were getting as far as Corfu, like you weren't on death's door, that being said, you know, secondary infection was always like a massive issue. So you might be fine, but then you're going to get like gangrene or sepsis. But as we've been shown time and time again, Barry's focus was on preventative care. It was ensuring shit didn't hit the fan, even though they did quite regularly. So when he's in Corfu, the Crimean War breaks out. And here's a thing. Uh, battlefield tourism was a thing. Like, it was very popular. You know, the rich would go visit battlefields during wars. I mean, here's the thing. People, people jump out of, like, airplanes and they do all of these extreme sports to, like, feel something. I feel like this is the you know, Georgian equivalent of this. Because I, I don't know if we're quite in the Victorian era yet. Are we? Are we? Maybe. Anyway, the Duke of Wellington is, like, you know, very impressed with Barry, very impressed with, you know, all of the sanitary reforms and everything that he's been implementing. And he gets promoted by Wellington as the Inspector General of British Hospitals, which I think is like the equivalent of like Brigadier General. I'm not too up on my army terms. And then his good old pal Lord Raglan invites him over to Skitari. And Dr. James Barry, he just happens to be on leave and thinks, sure, I could go visit Skitari. And so he ends up in this hospital, which is known more for soldiers dying from infections than actual wounds. And this is where he comes across, you know, this was the Victorian era, because this was Queen Victoria's pet, Florence Nightingale, who was just beloved to a certain point, 
um, because, well, everything Florence Nightingale did, the lady with the lamp, the caring women for the soldiers, sort of a, a pioneer in nursing, some might say. But Florence Nightingale and Dr. James Barry, you think they would get along, you know, they would be along similar wavelengths. Absolutely fucking not. Not a jot. They did not like each other. They came to like loggerheads. And the best part of this was they meet. There is some kind of conversation. It does not go well. And Florence Nightingale ends up calling him a brute. We don't know what was said to Florence Nightingale. There is there 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 is a rumour that it was something to do with her lack of hat because she wasn't wearing a hat. But whom's to say? Now, on top of this as well, there is like a letter that Florence Nightingale wrote to like her sister saying that, you know, that he was a very apt physician, which is kind of a compliment. Anyway, the thing about Florence Nightingale is... She doesn't like women, or she didn't like women, like, just as a general rule. So I'm thinking, maybe she took one look at Dr. James Barry and went, there's no Adam's apple there. That's a woman. Like, even on some, like, subconscious level and just automatically was like, nope, I despise you, you tiny little person. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Perhaps. Perhaps. I do love the fact that Barry was known to be a bit of a dandy and as such like being so obsessed with fashion um mainly I think to just hide their appearance or to like alter their appearance to then comment on the lack of a hat by a woman it just seems very on brand for me for that to be it and I really wish it's true but whatever happened they did not like each other And this had some implications for Barry. Because Florence Nightingale had friends in high places, she basically pushed him out of the area and was responsible for his promotion, but not a promotion. So Nightingale greases some wheels and she ensures that Barry is sent off to Canada. Now, this is bad for a couple of reasons. One, this is a man who has spent the majority of his life in a tropical climate. So he's used to warm heat, you know, warm heat. Yes, warm heat, our favourite type. He's used to warmer weather in a hotter clime, you know, that's what he's used to. And by sending him off to Canada, it's a very different climate. It's a very different atmosphere. And it's just... It just seems petty and not in a good way, you know? But on top of that, Nightingale was putting together this Royal Commission on Army Medical Services. I mean, it's also known as the Royal Sanitary Commission. And this was created sort of as a response to, again, like high mortality rates and sanitary conditions during the Crimean War. So all the stuff that Barry had been fighting against and all of the infrastructure and you know rules and regulations that he had implemented throughout his entire career like this this was kind of I don't want to say plagiarized but like 
mm, a lot of the stuff she was doing was based on his original work, like his original ideas. And by pushing him out to Canada, she was basically taking the glory. Now, I'm not trying to like denounce anything Florence Nightingale did because, you know, she did a fucking lot for these soldiers. But people are nuanced and good people can still be dicks. So she did a lot and she really did help and she did ensure that better sanitary conditions and better medical supplies were being provided to these military personnel. However, she did push James Barry out of the scenario. So it meant that she would get this recognition and Barry would just be, I don't know, a historical oddity, just ignored. Like, it's, it's, mm, it doesn't sit right with me. That's all I'm saying. It just doesn't sit right. But yeah, Barry is in Canada and that's where things go south for him. So he's there. He's still doing what he does best. Again, he's fighting for better sanitation, better food and supplies and proper bloody medical care. So he wants it for everybody, for soldiers, for prisoners, for uh, people with long conditions, like the, the lepers, big on the lepers. So he's doing things for soldiers and their families. And like, like even here, he's like, mm, this is weird that married soldiers, and married couples and then single soldiers were like sharing a barracks. Like there wasn't a separate like space. And this contributed to like alcoholism and a bunch of other issues. So he ensured that they got that that separate option. Um, which is something you actually see um, come into play later on. If you listen to the Annie Chapman episode of the Five Canonical Victims of Jack the Ripper. Like this is mentioned a wee bit in it. And that happens because of Barry. So Barry is again very much into just creating a better life for, you know, everybody, regardless of race, gender, creed, the whole shebang, right? But yes, he's fighting for better drainage and sewage systems in Montreal. He's arguing for ovens, ovens and barracks so that soldiers are eating proper nutritious meals because, you know, a well-nourished army is a happy, a happy army? Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. But yeah, while he's in Canada and he's, you know, pushing for all these reforms and he's doing his best, he ends up ill. So he contracts bronchitis. Um, I get probably because he's in, you know, a cold, bloody area. And unknown to Barry, this was going to be his final posting. Canada was his last hurrah. So he contracts bronchitis and he's he's forced, he has to go back to England. So he returns to England with the whole purpose of recuperating. And for about six months, he's on like half pay by the army. But then, of course, you know, it's clear he's not getting better because, you know, he's he's pushing it at this age. He's getting, he's getting old in the tooth and he's unwell and he is forcefully retired from the military. 
And a little while after this, he he ends up with something he was fighting against for so long in all of these locations. He has dysentery, which is of all the ways to go. It it's a really really unpleasant one. It is foul and exhausting and just just a horrific way to go. And then on the 15th of July, 1865, Dr. James Barry passes away. But his death was not the end of his story. So there are rumours and whispers that James Barry, you know, had stated that he did not want to have an autopsy. His body was not to be autopsied or he was to be buried in the clothes that he died in, so on and so forth. We don't have any official documents. There's no official source material. There's nothing to, you know, affirm or confirm or to say that's how it was. It's just one of those, you know, little pieces of information that has stuck, regardless of whether there's anything to back it up. So after James Barry passes, his doctor comes to, you know, sign the death certificate, you know, do the usual. And he shows up. Signs the bit goes, yeah, that's Barry, that's fine. Off he goes. So after that's done, the the next piece is the body needs to be cleaned for burial. It's just part of the whole shebang. So the charwoman comes in, cleans down the body, does her bit, and then isn't paid. So it's she's not paid either by the landlady and Barry has no relatives. So there's, there's no one. So she heads up to the doctor and she goes, you need to pay me or I'm going to tell everyone that, you know, this Dr. James Barry was not a man, but was in fact a woman. And Dr. McKinnon is like, right, okay, whatever, go away. And the charwoman still isn't paid. And so after this... McKinnon receives a letter from the General Register's office, the GRO. So (laughs) they're like, hey, by the way, this woman came forward and said that Barry is, was a woman. What say you, Dr. McKinnon? And McKinnon's response, I'm going to paraphrase a wee bit here, but basically he said that he had known Barry, you know, for many, many years from his time in the West Indies in England, that he was his attending physician in his, you know, later part of his life through his bronchitis and the dysentery which would end his life. He then goes on to say that at no point during this had he ever suspected that Barry was, you know, a woman, a biological female, however you want to put it. No, not an inkling, not an ocean. And that this charwoman came up, had asked him for money, that the landlady had refused her and that she was going to go forth. And he was like, you know, I said that Barry wasn't a woman. And the charwoman, who is just like so sassy, uh, had said, well, what kind of some doctor you are? I wouldn't want you looking after me if you can't tell the difference between a man and a woman. Which is sassy. (laughs) And you can have to give her that, you know, like, mate, what are you talking about? Because when she had, in, you know, washed down the body, 
the genitalia was not what was expected. Uh, there was vulva or vagina and no penis, no testes, none of that. So that's the issue there. What I find quite interesting is there's no mention of breasts. So this woman saw the entire body. She mentions the stretch marks on on Barry's stomach, which could be um, something. Some think it's the result of uh, being pregnant at some point in their life. But there's no real evidence of this. And there's a bunch of reasons why people get stretch marks when they grow or gain weight or have an illness like dysentery. Like there's a bunch of reasons why someone would have stretch marks on their stomach if they went through any period of malnutrition like your stomach can swell and you know that that happens but anyway mckinnon's effective response at the end was well it didn't really matter to me whether barry was a he or a she um but i assumed that they were a hermaphrodite hermaphrodite is the term that that mckinnon uses um we would see intersex now so that was the doctor's opinion so after this, he's like, whatever. And someone, quite possibly the charwoman, goes to the papers. And it becomes a massive, massive scandal. So people just go nuts for it. You've got Charles Dickens writing stories about it. Fuck you, Charles Dickens! I do have an innate hatred for that snake of a man. But yeah. It becomes a massive, massive issue to the point where the army is so embarrassed about the whole ordeal that it forces all documents and all of Barry's records to be sealed for a hundred years. And it would have been so incredibly easy for, you know, the history, the life of Dr. James Barry to fade into obscurity. But you know, once the records are sealed, you have one person writing about it and then another person writing about it. And then as we evolve now as as culture and society and we become more understanding to an extent of, of people and, you know, gender identities and everything like that. And of course, you know, the waves of feminism. Dr. James Barry, no matter how you look at them as a person, they were an incredibly important figure. They were a trailblazer. They saved countless lives because they were willing to go above and beyond, regardless of what their gender identity was. So at the beginning of the episode, I did mention the, you know, the three sort of trains of thought. Trains of thought? Trains of thought. Choo-choo. That seems incorrect to me somehow but yet also feels a little bit correct. It is very humid here and I couldn't put my fan on. I have this old fan from like, I swear it's from the 1980s, but I can't put it on because it makes too much noise and the microphone won't pick it up. So yeah, uh, what was I saying? Choo-choo train of thought. It is a train of thought. That's not what I meant though. I didn't mean a train of thought. No, what is wrong with me? No, I meant there were three sort of main ideas as to the gender identity of Dr. James Barry and who slash what they represent. 
Oh, and before I add anything else, I want to say, you'll see a lot of the times that Dr. James Barry has James Miranda, whatever Barry, Stuart, I think it is. And that, that, they were never referred to that in their lifetime. There was no documentation. There was nothing that, people just added that in later. I think more of a, of a way to kind of slide in that James Barry was really a woman. But James Barry, either, three options. One, they were a woman disguised as a man in order to have the career that they wanted, right? They had to fight against prejudice because it was illegal for them to do what they wanted to do. Option one, feminist icon. Option two, transgender person just living their best life. Trans man just doing what they want to do. Or option three, James Barry was intersex and just chose their own identity because, you know, they had to pick one of the binary and even though they were assigned female at birth, they didn't feel that way. And being intersex, even though that's its own gender identity that a lot of people can't seem to grasp, effectively, I mean, you hear all the time they have to choose one way or the other. So yeah, with what did we learn today? James Barry was such an important figure and we will never know the answer. We can never have that unless we go back and time travel and ask them themselves. And even then, they might not want to fucking tell us because even though they are so important, they are such an amazing figure in history, like for so many reasons, out with their gender identity, you know? And it's none of our fucking business, which is, I say this as a historian, like none of our business, but it does give people someone to look up to. So whether you see, you know, James Barry as a feminist icon, as a trans man making waves and doing great, or an intersex person choosing their own way, they were a fantastic person, regardless of their temper, because they saved so many people. And that's kind of what matters. And with that, I shall move on to recommendation time. So... Reading, I am going to suggest The Companion by E.E. E. Ottoman. It's a historical romance it's set in the 1940s. But, you know, there's uh, just, just give it a go. Give it a go. Uh, for listening, I've been uh, re-listening to Come to Daddy with Ruben Kay. It's so hilarious. You should absolutely give it a go. And for watching, now... Secret Invasion is coming out on Disney Plus and I am an absolute nerd so I will absolutely be watching that. Um, I'm recommending it. I haven't even seen it yet so just just go watch it because I need other people to talk to about it. Go now. So if you like this episode or my retelling of the life of Dr. James Barry, feel free to rate and review five stars. I would like love that. So if you could do that, that would be amazing. 
And you can follow me on all my socials. I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, sometimes ranting about things. I'm also on Facebook, just not as much as I probably should be, but I'm there. But if you don't follow me in the socials, you should and annoy me because I love it. I love it. Well, don't like say mean things. Just say lovely things. Compliments. I want your compliments. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. So I love you so much and I am going to go now because it is very hot and I need to just eat ice straight from the freezer. I think that's my new plan. And with that, I shall bid you good night. Adios, au revoir, vous my friends, bye bye.